Welcome to the Godly Manhood Podcast, where we seek to encourage men to consider how they can grow in godliness as men, husbands, and fathers by sustaining themselves with God's Word and applying it in their lives daily. My name is Emery Phipps. And I'm Brian Barnes. And tonight, we're going to kind of zoom in on how we can apply godliness as husbands. Uh, as we always say in our intro, that's kind of the focus tonight. We're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about being godly husbands. I've been married a long time, 16 years. How long have you boys been married? 27, 15 years of wedded bliss. <laughs> yeah, 13 years. Yeah, coming up in June. 13. Yeah, so we got a lot of mistakes to talk about tonight, I'm sure. Um, this is definitely the episode, I would say, so far that would give us um, the least credibility and the most opportunity for critique. And I cannot wait to hear what our wives say about all of this uh, just absolute I want to say heretic. What's the word? Hypocrite. Yeah, the, the hypocrisy that's going to pour out of our mouths tonight. You know, on Spotify, they can do comments on every episode. Oh, great. Mm -hmm. So they'll be able to have some fun. And be That'll like, well, be, what about that? Time this is a time, time capsule. They're just going to pull it. Remember when you said this on the podcast? Remember when you said what you should be yeah. doing? Thanks, well, the babe. good thing is women don't remember those kind of things. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, the Bible gives us uh, a way to think about nearly every aspect of our lives. And... Marriage is all over that book, and a good, healthy, biblical marriage was modeled for us in the way that Christ loved the church, mm -hmm. I mean, the church is the bride of Christ, and and we're going to get into Ephesians 5 and how that relates to our role as husbands, and it's beautiful and awesome, but it is a tall order. But yeah, just super clearly from the outset, I don't get this right most of the time. Uh, I can't speak for Emery and David, but this is definitely an area that deserves constant work and improvement in your life. Yeah. And the best advice I ever got about marriage specifically, I got a ring, bought a ring and I hid it at my parents' house. And I took it there and I said, how about this ring? And I'm going to ask Dee to marry me. And I'm going to keep it here until I'm ready. So it doesn't get stolen, which is a picture into the life I was living at that point. And um, I said, I'm going to keep it here so it doesn't get stolen. And my mom said, that's great. Happy for you. Just know that a good marriage is hard work every day and my parents have a great marriage mm -hmm. they they have have a great marriage my my dad my my cousins used to make fun of my dad and mom all the time when we were growing up because they're so affectionate and lovey on each other and all this and and it was like a joke in the family just like yeah they love each other a lot you know and um but it is a good marriage is hard work every day and uh it deserves it it deserves uh that that work and so we'll talk about that a bit tonight yeah, there's there's a quote I cannot remember her name. It was a lady on Peterson, but she said the the whole adage of fifty fifty is crap, and it's a hundred from both sides. Yeah, it's a hundred zero both ways. Yeah, fifty fifty doesn't work. You can't give half yourself. Love that. My my wife always uh, used to say, the reason our marriage works so well is because we both think that we're the biggest problem in it. Mm. Mm -hmm. Man. Yeah. Uh, J D. Greer in his book, I think it's called Gospel. It's a good name for a book. That's a great book, but he has a he has a whole section where he's talking about just sin in general, and he goes back to the idea like I've got to remind myself that whenever I get frustrated with my wife, I'm a bigger sinner than her. I'm the chief of sinners. That's it. That's that's worth tattooing on yourself. Yeah, chief sinner. Uh, yeah, totally. And and so from the outset here tonight, I want to say to you men and or women who are listening, if your marriage is a disaster today. We, all three of us, I'm sure, have seen marriages on the brink of divorce that gone through divorce 
be restored through go- faithful gospel attention to that marriage and care and love and intention, prayerful determination to fix it and do it God's way. We have seen marriages restored through faithful obedience to God. So wherever you are today, if you got a little work to do, you got some work to do like us, or if you got a ton of work to do and you're far from a biblical marriage, just know God is faithful. Jesus saves sinners and there is no marriage that is too far gone to be restored and take some practical shepherding advice from your friends at the godly manhood podcast, who you have now liked on Facebook and followed on Instagram. And you're going to apply some of these things, knowing that God is faithful and he wants good things for you and for your marriage. He wants it to look like the love that Christ had for the church and don't give up starting it on a somber note. Sorry guys. Really bringing down the room. I want to start in Ephesians 5. Do you think that's appropriate? I think that's the best place to start. Yeah. Ephesians 5. Ephesians, as you know, my absolute favorite book of the Bible. Uh, So much in there about how God loves us and how we ought to love God. But there's some really good stuff in here for for your family and for how you're to treat the church and how we're to think about sin. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 22. Husbands, I'm going to tell you this before I start reading. Don't get too excited about verse 22 because it gets a lot harder for you in the following verses. Keep reading. Keep reading, because text without context is pretext. Okay. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Boy, that sounded good, didn't it? If only it stopped there. Men. And cut. Yeah, right. Husbands, verse 25, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, but as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. There are a lot more instructions there to the husband. That's a much longer section. Than, than what the wives had. And there are some men who are brutish, who are overbearing, unloving, who love to use verse 22 as their life verse. Wives, submit to your husbands with no regard for the next section. Yep. And that's you. I'll tell you, it's a lot easier to submit to a husband and respect a husband who's loving you like Christ loved the church. And if that's you as a husband and some of that, that you, you used a, uh... About flipping tables as a life verse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A while back, like I, I know some people who would say, "Oh, my wife's supposed to submit to me. That's my life verse." Yeah, and they don't read anything beyond that. And I would tell you now to repent. You're in sin to your wife and to God. Yep. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, and I will also advise if you've not been doing this right, and you're going to decide after you hear this that you want to do some work on this, wives and husbands. Either party, whoever's having those wheels turning in their head, go to your spouse 
and tell them that you feel convicted by God's word and share with them the fact that you want to work hard at this and that you want to try again and you want to do it better. Don't, because I think what can happen is we get discouraged. If we come home and we're like, today's the day where I'm going to wash her with the water of the word. We're going to be in church every day. We're going to do all these things. And she has no idea what's going on. She'll probably flip and be super excited. Maybe, or maybe she'll think you want something from her. Maybe she'll think you're uh, on drugs. Maybe she'll think you're, you're doing something that you're not doing. I would just encourage you to have the conversation to say, I'm going to try to really recommit myself to obeying God's command here for me as your husband. And I would love it if we could look at this together mm-hmm. and have that dialogue because a good marriage is rooted in communication. Let her know what you're thinking or let him know what you're thinking and try to, try to do that together. It's so much richer. You're going to get a lot further if you do it together. Husbands, it starts with us. We got to do it right. Got to do it right. Be somebody worth submitting to. Yes, she's called to do that, whether or not you're worthy of that. But strive to be somebody worth submitting to, being yeah. the kind of leader that a wife loves to be led by. Does that make sense? So total, total sense. And it's not. It's it's super easy to do. So it shouldn't be hard for people to just <laughs> jump in, jump right feet. in. What are you waiting for? Now, I think what you said there is important. The the talking part of it, I think it goes back to where I said repent. I mean, if you're if you come to your spouse and you say, Hey, I've read this, I recognize I'm not doing this. So that implies this is a command of scripture. So if, if you're like, Oh, I'm not doing this, right, and you never confess sin and have that discussion and admit wrong, then you're not very convicted by this. Yeah. And and so it's important to have that discussion. And I would say if you're a wife listening to this and you and you're like, Man, I wish my husband did this, man, show him some grace then. Yeah. Because if he comes to you and says, hey, I recognize this, yeah. the last thing he needs is, I told you so. Right. I've been saying this. It's like, no, you know, praise God for that. Man, that, that's a praiseworthy thing to take time and do and then and pray with him and encourage him however he can. And he won't be perfect at it. He's going to probably be horrible at it initially. Oh, yeah. Because it's new. Is that a practice? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And try to be the kind of husband that she deserves. And you probably won't ever fit that bill. It's work. It's work every day. And and if your marriage is upside down and it doesn't look like this, it's probably radiating into every other part of your life. If you have children, it's probably really bleeding into the way that they view marriage, the way that the the stasis in the home is, and and your your relationships with your children might be suffering because your unity as a marriage isn't there. And what I would tell you to do is keep reading, because as Ephesians five turns into Ephesians six, we see. Advice here for for children and children and parents and those relationships. And then we move into the whole armor of God and how we are to care for ourselves spiritually. This is a robust section of scripture to really look at and figure out how we can get our house back in order, how to make your bed, how to clean your room, to use more Jordan Peterson comments. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is where you could be rooted for some time with your family to say, we got we to gotta figure this thing out, you know? I don't there I hear about all of these like uh what do I want like marriage counseling, marriage retreats, all of these things. These are all really good and if they're and if they're biblical, all of it is really coming out of this section of scripture. Um we did a love and respect video series as a life group several years ago and are you familiar with this love and respect? It's pretty good. I can't remember the guy's name that did it, but he did a thing on man- manhood too that we did as a church many years ago, but basically this love and respect series goes through biblical marriage, what the Bible says about how it's supposed to look. And it really helps identify and break down men and women communicate differently. 
They hear things differently. Yeah. They say things differently. They show love in different ways. And all of that really needs to be communicated clearly and, and lay it out on the table and commit to doing these things. But, but a godly husband should not be overbearing. He's not a bully as a leader. Uh, he shouldn't ignore his wife, right? I mean, they're a tender vessel. The Bible tells us that they're a tender vessel and they need us to love and care for them and look over, look after them. And if we don't take that seriously, everything starts to unravel. So before we get too deep in it, let's define love biblically. So 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 talks about love. It's patient and kind, doesn't have me a boast. And it goes through a list of things, of what love is. And it's really cool that all these people have the, you know, the wooden carved things on their walls of 1 Corinthians. But love is an action. It's not a feeling. It's not something you wake up and say, I'm just, I'm not feeling kind today. It, it's something you have to do and you have to work at. Mm-hmm. And and making sure that we define what love is and it's not a feeling. It's not something that you just lose. It's something that you work at and it's an action that you put into place. And then it's also designed by God. God is telling us right here what love is. This is how to love someone. And, and that's really important to distinguish what that is. And as men, like we're problem solvers. I think we respond really well to instruction. Mm-hmm. And if you say love is an action, we I think we get that. Yeah. Like I could show you love. And sometimes it looks like flowers. If I learned anything from Yellowstone, by the way, the best time to buy flowers is when there's no reason at all. Yeah. Write that scene. Write that down, gentlemen. Um, but yeah, you know, showing love, demonstrate, you know, it, it is an action. You do have to decide that you're gonna talk to your wife more. You're gonna read the Bible. Well, all of these you're things. You're gonna do all these things, right? Yeah. So much of what we talk about is decisions because none of us, none of us are these godly, naturally godly people. No, I'm naturally a sinful man. Yeah, naturally, it's just, that's, that's my default. It's my nature. And I'll admit that. I know that about myself. So I have to work at these things. I have to work at being a good, godly, just individual. You know, my holiness just doesn't come naturally. No. You know, I gotta, I gotta, you know, God is working in me constantly. I've got to repent of sin constantly. In order for your holiness to exist, someone had to die. Yeah. Think about right. it like that. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez, that was Jesus, by the way, if you're new here. <laughs> Sunday school answer. Well, it's the answer. It's the answer. But yeah, just the, all these things are work. You know, marriages work, but but the fact is, even if if you're if you're one of our eighteen percent of women listeners listen to this, and you're like, "Well, my husband's not godly." Well, okay, guess what? You aren't either. That's you're, right. You're probably struggling too. Um, so evaluate where you're at there, and then just be an encouragement. But if you're a man listening to this, all the spiritual disciplines we talk about all the time. If you want to really truly be a godly husband. Read your Bible. Be yeah. praying for your wife. Read your Bible and pray with your wife. Yes. Read your Bible with your wife and pray with your wife. Yeah. And we need to be more faithful in it because the greatest time I spend with my wife is when she's so hyped on something in the Bible she just read and she grabs it. She opens it and we start reading it, talking about it. And she does her Bible study with by herself in, in discipleship groups and all this. And then we come together and I'm like, yeah, here's what I've been reading. She's like, here's what I've been reading. Yeah. And that is better than any date night I've ever been on. Just sitting on the couch being like, yeah, tell me more about Second Samuel. Speaking of date night, before I forget, oh. since we're on this topic, podcast date night with uh, Bree and Andy Wood, I think. Is that their name? Um, uh, those sound like real names. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. That's, so it's date night is the name of the podcast. But they, I listened to that today. They had some new episodes come out. And one of the things they talked about is praying with uh, your spouse. I can't remember the study they cited, but 99% of people interviewed who had marriages that were like long lasting and good marriages. They were interviewed and said, my marriage is good. I have a positive marital experience. 99% of them 
said they prayed with their spouse. Oh, great. It's just something to consider. Yeah, that's something I need to get better at for sure. Yeah. I think I think we've tiptoed around this. I'm going to start here maybe that repentance is a critical component to a healthy marriage. Definitely. And owning your sin, taking it to your wife and saying, I have hurt you. I've wronged you. I was out of line. The way I talked to you, the way I talked about you. I am very, very happy to do that, to, to acknowledge my sin against my wife to my wife. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the time, I didn't even know I did it. And she'll say, well, you know, you said this thing and it really cut me deep. And I'm like, oh boy. No, I say a million things a day. And that one definitely was not supposed to cut you deep. You know, I'm so sorry. You know, just own it. Own it. Own your sin. And if you're way off track and you've not been doing these things and you want to recommit to this, you need to start by repenting mm-hmm. and, and acknowledging your, your, your stake in that. Because I am an extreme ownership believer and... We carry the mantle here as the head of the marriage, as the head of the house, under the headship of Christ. And if it's going wrong, in my view, it's our fault. And there are a million examples you could write in and be like, well, actually, this one really terrible thing happened in my marriage and it was not my fault at all. I'll leave room for you, sure. But we as the the men, the leaders, the husbands have to own every everything. We just have to own it all. It's all ours to carry. And... You have to begin with repentance. And then that's the path forward. I want to read Philippians 2, 3, and 4 real quick. Okay. I think it lays a good foundation for just relationships in general. And I know Ephesians 5 does a lot of good things there, but I think of this verse when I'm when I'm considering how I can serve my wife well. Uh, it says, uh, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. I think that ties hand in hand with so much of what we read there in Ephesians 5. And it's just a good reminder. Don't put yourself first. Your feelings, the hurt, whatever, lead your wife well in moments where even she's wrong. And say, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step back and make sure she understands, hey, this is this has harmed me in a way. Wives, you you should be repentant. And confess and send to your husbands. Of course. Ask him forgiveness the same way we're same way we're here demanding that of men tonight. But I think so many things just in relationships everywhere, but specifically in the home as godly men, if we just start from a position of complete submission. Yeah. To Christ, because he's modeled all these things for us, and then come at it with this idea of, okay, now I'm selfish ambitions just out the window. Yeah. Christ humbled himself. Right. I'm gonna humble myself in this moment. And not win, not be the one that has to win the argument, even if your wife is saying, hey, you know, I'm winning the argument. Okay, good for you if you feel that way. Maybe maybe don't in the moment say, well, you need to confess your sin yeah. and that, but have a conversation around that too, but model that for her. So, okay, in this moment, it's not worth the tension, the anger, the argument. I don't have any win that's going to happen here outside of just leading my wife well in a moment. Yeah, and our priority any selfish selfish ambition sort of stands in the face of submission mm. to God. And if we are to submit to God and, and his will, I think, that, you know, sin is just rooted in selfish ambition. We hate that we are created. We want to be the creator. Going back to the very first sin. That's it. I mean, that's, it's, it's the root of all of it. It is. And, and that's what harms our relationships. It becomes this thing where we want something. We want an outcome. We don't want to have to be held to account. We don't want to do the hard thing. 
and we don't, out of selfish ambition, we do what our heart desires, our deceitful heart. And then every relationship we have has consequences for that. And to love your, your wife well is to set aside your selfish ambition and put before anything God's ambition for your life, which is to glorify him, to live in a way that honors him, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And if the aim in your relationship is to do that well, lead your wife down that path and to love her well, your selfish ambition has no seat at the table. And that's fatherhood, that's mm-hmm. friendship, that's leadership, that's everything we ever talk about here. To do any of that well is to set aside your ambition. I was just thinking of something I read earlier. It's, uh, it's basically a godly man cannot lead where he hasn't been. Ooh. I, I don't know about that. I thought that was pretty profound. Can we debate it? Say it again. A godly man cannot lead where, where he, he has. So, so you, you can't lead from a position in your home if you've not, you, you can't demand things. I think this just goes in life in general, but in my home, so in my home, if I'm not in the word, I can't expect my kids to be involved in family worship. I see. If, I, if I'm not repenting and confessing my sin to God, I can't expect my wife in a moment to confess sin and submit and do the things scripture says if I'm not doing what scripture is telling me to do as a man. So I can't lead if I'm not doing those things. I, I will accept that quote only in the context that you just presented it. Yeah. You, can, you cannot lead where you have not been. Everywhere else in your life, leading is daring to lead where you have not been. But yes, I love it in yeah, this context. The, the, but I think when you said it, it hit me funny, but I love you know, it. Now. I know in the military, we'd say many times, like, I'm not, you aren't going to ask your, your Marine soldiers, whatever, to do something you're not willing to do. I guess that'd probably be a better way to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not going to demand that of somebody if I'm not willing to do it either. I love it in this context where you said, I can't expect you to do something I'm not doing. Yeah. So I can't yell at you to read your Bible and I'm not reading my Bible. And I can't expect you to be a godly wife if I'm not being a godly husband, if I'm not leading you to be a godly wife. Yeah. And when it says to love her as Christ loved the church, he laid his life down for the church, for his bride. Christ was the perfect husband to a sinful, disobedient, unworthy bride in the church. Yeah. And I, I think about that picture in marriage and in the church, in the way I think about the church. But Christ was the greatest example in that he was so faithful, faithful to death on a cross for a sinful people. And the model is a righteous, holy, perfect Jesus. And the sacrifice was the ultimate sacrifice of death unto the goodness of another. So if that's where we're coming from, that is a giant task. Giant. So you have to not matter as much. And the aim has to be, the primary aim has to be leading like Christ led. And then I always get the wording weird on this. Wash her, washing of her with the word. Having cleansed her by the washing water with the word. That's a, that's a choppy sentence in our modern lexicon. But the word has to be a prevalent focus in your, in your home and in your marriage. Mm-hmm. And in the way that you lead your family. You have to know what the Bible says about how to lead your family. You have to know what the Bible says about sin you have to know what the Bible says about church and our participation in it um, and leading her well through all of those things so that she is not a rudderless ship floating in the water trying to do her best because you're not steering that boat. I don't know. 
It's just such a big command. Yeah, we when we neglect it. If you look at just you guys have been studying. You you has talked about studying some church history recently. But if yeah, I yeah. I just know in discussions I've had recently with people considering things over the last say fifty years within the church. Okay. Some of the vacuums and things where I know we weren't going to get a whole egalitarian complementarian thing tonight. But some of the the squeaking in of some of that stuff that we would say is not biblical. Right. That's counter to where we would land in that is because there were weak men in the church. Mm. Men weren't leading in their homes. That doesn't mean they were reading the books before their wife read them or whatever we've joked about on here, but they're just not leading well in their home in multiple ways. They're neglecting their families. They're neglecting their spiritual walk. Therefore, their wives are seeking leadership from somewhere, Yeah, and they're not getting that, and they're just waiting to be led because that's the way God designed us. And it just the, the neglect there has impacted church as a whole for decades. Yeah. And yeah. so now people get upset about it when we talk about submission. Um, I was saying earlier, there's a video I watched earlier today where a lady, female, <laughs> I want to say pastor, pastrix, whatever she calls you her, She calls she herself, herself a pastor. I call myself a Volkswagen. Go yeah. ahead. You know, she said, well, we're, she was talking about family devotion, said, I hand the Bible to my daughter to First Peter that talks about wives submit to your husbands, First Peter 3. And my, my daughter, she says, my daughter handed the Bible back and said, I'm not reading that. And then she goes into this kind of discussion about how she didn't tell her daughter it's not biblical, but other people have said it's not biblical. And like, basically it's the whole uh, patriarchy now is coming into play because of this isn't what it really means. And, and the reality is there should be an embracing of that and say, yeah, you know what? Actually, we should read that because we're commanded to be submissive. Not because we're commanded to be under the iron fist of some bully husband or someone who's who's sinning in a moment. There's biblical submissions beautiful, right? Well, look, if your wife is the spiritual leader in your house, you got a lot of work to do. Yeah, like if you are only going to church because your wife wants to go to church on a Sunday, and she picked the church, and she has all the relationships at the church, and she's the only one shaking hands and seeing people at the church. If your wife's the only one singing at the church, oh yeah, <laughs> man, oh man, have you got some work to do? And just to clarify, we're not saying you have work to do to get your wife in order. No, no, no. You have work to do because you're messed up, dude. Thanks for clarifying. Yeah, I just want to make sure your wife's doing clarify. that. Your wife's doing that out of necessity yeah. because you have left Refused. a vacuum. You've left a vacuum of leadership in your home. You were sinning. Yes, and you. And by the way, repent, correct, recalibrate. Go to work. Yeah. Fix it. There's a book called Date Your Wife, and I can't remember the guy's name, but we'll put it in the show notes. It's just called Date Your Wife. You can find it. It's a little red book. It's amazing. Very helpful to me because we talked at the beginning as we opened up this podcast about people who've been in points where their marriage has been faltering. Yeah, yeah. And it looks like it's going to crash and burn. That was me a few years back. Mm. I was neglecting my family because I was doing things that I thought were God-honoring and good, but my first ministry to my home, and I wasn't doing what I should be doing as a, as a godly husband. Yeah. Caused some rifts and things. That's one of the first books that I kind of stumbled, I won't say stumbled on, God placed it in my path yeah. to read. And within the first few pages of that book, he says, hey, this is going to be hard for you to hear, but if there are issues within your household and strife and tension between you and your wife, it's your fault. I affirm. And I'm like, holy crap, dude. Yeah. This guy, who does he think he is? He's right. He, he explains it very well after, and I'm like, he's totally right. Every issue right now going on in my house that I'm frustrated with that I think my wife's in the wrong over. Yep. 
lays all at my feet. It does. And so there's a whole lot of like, okay, I gotta, I gotta repent of this. I gotta change this. I gotta do this. And it goes back to you talking about extreme ownership. Hey, that's my fault. Yes. Plain and simple. Yes. Yes. And and the instruction in Ephesians five in Ephesians five where it says uh, to love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the works. Again, very hard sentence. So that he might present the church to himself with splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. You cannot do that as Christ did it, to the degree, to the level, to the perfection that Christ did it. But what what it's saying is that the goodness of your marriage, the sweetness of it, is in the unity that you have in Christ. And that under that headship of Christ, now you are in the over, overseeing the headship of your, your family, and if you do this right, your wife will be sanctified. Yes, the Holy Spirit does the sanctifying. You, don't, you aren't responsible for it, but you can contribute to her well-being spiritually, to her being without spot or wrinkle. Of course, uh, we are only made spotless and without wrinkle in Christ. But if you have a healthy, God-honoring marriage, you can talk about sin, and you can talk about uh, striving toward holiness and doing these things and growing together in this way and, and seeing her as a sister in Christ also. Mm-hmm. And how might I serve her well, lead her spiritually for her sanctification? It's so, it's so big. It's so big. Yeah, you were talking about the not being perfect and, and only Christ is perfect. Um, you know, Paul says in Philippians 3.12, he says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. That's right. And just that recognition, man, like, we're not going to be the most amazing husband on the planet. Not at all. We're not going to be the most amazing Christian on the planet. Our wives are not going to be the most amazing spouse on the planet. They can be really awesome, but we're just sinners. We're all sinners seeking our own selfish things most of the time. And if we're not focused on that, that humility, that humbleness, the servant heart, I don't know how many times— I'm guilty of this. I think we talked about this in the the episode about godly men serve maybe, but it's like we'll really quickly drop things to go help somebody else out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that doesn't live in our house. But if my wife needs me, will I get up off the couch and go do it? I just watched you tell your wife not to wash dishes because you're going to do it after we're done tonight. (laughs) Dude, the Theo bros are going to destroy me on Twitter now. Well, they can come through me. I'm not supposed to do dishes. I don't, I mean, I don't, but I love that you offered that. That's so sweet. The most insane thing, just because this stuff pops in my head. But I saw this uh, this week, another, and this was to the credit of many men in, in the Twitter sphere. They told this lady, hey, you're just wrong. But she said that she doesn't, she homeschools and she doesn't have her, her boys do woman chores. Oh, boy. Because she doesn't want to raise an effeminate man. And I'm like... The word of the week on the internet. Craziest. It's, it's, it's the buzzword now. But it's like, dude, that's nuts. Well, but see, boys need chores. Yeah, they do. They, they need, need work. work. Yep. They need work. And you know what they can do? They can help their mother. Yeah. Do, their, do those chores. Like, that's crazy. And look, if that works for her home, good. She better have them splitting wood and doing other stuff then. But I I love boys doing doing jobs. Yep. And yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's no, just, that's uh, just serving... Humbling yourself. It goes back. I mean, so much, so much of everything we read in Scripture, so much of all that we talk about has to do with imitating Christ. Yeah. 
I want to talk about a, a experience in my marriage as it comes to like the, the helping aiding in the sanctification and the, the, the spotlessness and all that stuff. But then I want to come back to dating. So remind me if I get to the end of this thing and I can't remember dating because you have your black belt in that, Emery. Um, when I, my wife and I got married, she was not a believer. And I don't recommend that. It's been incredible and beautiful and wonderful in every way for my marriage. And the Lord has used it and it's been magnificent and i would never do it over any other way but uh don't be unevenly yoked there's clear scripture on that but i was young and dumb and didn't know what the bible said so anyway when i married my wife she was not a believer and what began to happen early in our marriage is she had all of these big existential crisis questions and like internal struggle about like i think god is probably real there's probably a god but like how does all of this work and what does all of this mean and how does it fit together and how does that relate to the world today all, all these questions that people have when they're early in their faith or new Christians or not Christians at all. And what God, through by God's grace, I had the brain to do was take her to a church. And we landed at a great one that teaches the Bible really, really well. And I knew that I was outside of my depth and my knowledge because I was 21 at that point or something. And God used me, my big dumb body, lead her well enough when I didn't know what I didn't know to take her to a church, help her figure out these things. You know what? We're going to be here every Sunday. We're going to, we're going to learn and grow. We're going to go to this new believers class. So you can ask all these hard questions that I'm not good enough to answer because I wasn't doing my responsibility as a man to know God's word so that I could wash her with it. And the Lord used the, that church to bring us both really far. She was saved. We were baptized together. And all of that happened because I was in my ignorance, willing enough to take her to find those answers somewhere in God's word at the, at the hands of a smarter man than me. Uh -huh. And that, that was a turning point in our marriage, a turning point in her spiritual eternal position before God. It went down that road. That's where it, it took us. So I, I have experience doing it wrong, not doing it at all learning from godly men and from God's word, what I was supposed to do and called to do. And as soon as I obeyed that command and I said, look, I don't know all the answers, but I'm going to do everything I can to learn them and to learn the Bible and to be under the authority of a church that, that takes the Bible very seriously and will lead me and teach me and grow me. Every step of the way, when I was growing a step, she was growing a step and we were growing together. And, and I began to grow into that role and it completely transformed our young marriage at that point because the first few years of our marriage was so starkly different than the next years of our marriage because of what the gospel did in her life and in my life as a <clears throat> as a husband and a godly man it gave me a direction to go to point and say okay i need to obey god's command in how i lead my wife and so i've done it both ways and i will tell you like you just said like you had times when you were doing this less well i wasn't doing it at all and I led her spiritually in the way that I could with the tools that I had. And as I grew, so did my spiritual leadership in our home. And her life was made better for it. My life was made better for it. And so take uh, our example and hear it. And just to say that Emery and I can both attest to the idea that it does work and it will transform your marriage. And it's hard work. Sure it is. Works. Hard work works. And, and it is the greatest work you'll ever do. The greatest. Anything you're doing for the Lord to to obey the Lord is fantastic. 
Can you talk about dating a little bit? Because you take your wife on dates, dude. You've got oh. you've got built-in childcare here. Like, wait, what? You have you have teenage children that can watch your younger children. So you are like a dating. We planned fool. it out right. So best advice: get pregnant in high school. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Let me don't write do this that. down. Don't do that. Put that in the <laughs> in the do not do list. Yeah, put that in the do not do list. No no list. So yeah, we so yeah, we have talked about this before. We had kids really young, um, out of high school. And uh so and, and we had six year gaps between our oldest three. So, you know, Cody was six when Madison was born, Madison was about six when Reagan was born. So it worked out so by the time Reagan came along, Cody was twelve. Yeah. So he's ready to roll, man. If they ever have kids, if God blesses them with kids, he's he's got it figured out. He's he's going to be a boss. Yeah, he'll be doing all the things they say not to do on Twitter as a man. But yeah. uh, the last six years he lived in this house or more, he had little kids, babies running around the whole oh, yeah. time. Yeah, Madison's the same way. So so godly men out there. No, I'm just kidding. We'll take applications, but you better lead with what church you go. Send me a photo and a resume. It's your view of scripture. We want to know all these things. Yeah, what Bible version you're reading? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. So dating. So one of the things that. Um, so we have, and, and again, didn't do this well. And, and frankly, it came out of that time where we were just struggling as a couple and not sure, like, hey, it's been 20 years. This is really hard all of a sudden, and we're doing some hard things that I don't remember. I mean, I've been deployed numerous times. I wasn't even here when my son was born, my oldest. And it seemed to us six months old. So we've had our fair share of hardship in marriage. Yeah. But that was just different. There was just stuff going on that I won't get into, but we um, were just struggling. And one of the things that we talked about coming out of that was, like, you know, we aren't spending enough time together. Not only was I not leading her well, I wasn't, you know, I was more focused on um, doing the job of ministry. And I wasn't even being paid. It was a volunteer working in the church. I was more focused on the job of ministry than actually my walk with Christ. Sure. And I was relying on that the work to sanctify me and grow me in my faith and not in the word hardly at all. It was just stupid. I was just being dumb. Yeah, it works without faith is dead. Yeah. The uh so so anyway, coming out of that, we decided, hey, we're gonna go on dates. And and we just made it a priority. So we do we didn't have to pay for babysitting. We did though. Like I told we told our kids, our our rule has always been in our house. Um there's some things you're gonna owe us money for. You got a phone, there's just bills, you have bills. So you owe me a certain amount. Once I feel like you've earned the money to pay for that, if I go out, now I will pay you in some manner, whether it's cash, whatever. That's your that's now a job. I'd have to pay any other babysitter. Right. I'm going to pay you. I'm not going to just take advantage. Um, so so that was our rule in our house. So we'd just say, we're going out on a date. And we'd schedule. They'd be on the calendar. This is our date night. We're going out and doing this. And and Karen and I don't have like our thing, per se. Some couples like to do different things. We just get out and go hang out and whatever that is that night, whatever was going on, what we're in the mood for. And that's backed off recently. Um, just life changes. We don't go out as much, but we do here at home. Yeah. We just shut all the doors and like, Hey, don't come down here for an hour. Right. We love you guys. Get out of here. We're not going to see you. Are you doing a puzzle? I'm not doing a puzzle. I hate puzzles. Karen does, but we watch swamp people and action flicks. That's great. Um, but the, uh, but yeah, so we just made it a priority because it was like, and it, some of it came out of that book, Date Your Wife. It's like, I, I make priorities for so many other things in my life. Yeah. Why wouldn't I just go hang out with this woman that I claim to love yeah. and want to spend time with? And and I'm one of these sappy guys, and I know some people make fun of it, but my wife genuinely is my best friend. That's great. We just are. We're just best friends. We, I share things with her. We 
do things together. We enjoy many of the same things, so it, it works good that way. We're totally different. Of course. People, like, totally different. Like, some people are like, well, this doesn't make sense that you guys are even together. But there's the things that we do enjoy work. So, so yeah, just prioritizing that. And you're good at, like, sneaking out for quick dates. Like, get oh, t- yeah. go out to dinner, go get a coffee. Yeah, yesterday afternoon, I was just like, I came home, and I'm like, do you eat lunch yet? Nope. Hey, go throw on, you know, something. Let's get out of here. And we'll just go eat some street tacos. Just hang out for a minute. Right. We have six kids. You got to do that. Yeah. A lot of kids. It's a lot of work because they take up, and I don't mean this as a negative, but it's, they take up a lot of time and energy and emotional, you know, emotions. How it works. It's hard. And we, we praise God. We've got six kids, but the, yeah, just making that a priority has been, um, and they don't have to spend money on it. That's where we went wrong. We spent a lot of money for a while. And I'm like, dude, we can't afford to be dating each other. Like, right, this is right, nuts. Right. Let's go bowling Let's instead go of find diving. something else to do. So, yeah, yeah. So we, so we play cards and five crowns and she's trying to get me into Dutch blitz, which I, I'm oh. angry at both of your wives for. Yeah. It's their fault. It's, it's the fun. worst game ever. It's not fun. It's, it's fun once you get, get the hang of it. It's it, not too bad. Very stupid. I'm, I'm not getting the hang of it. Real easy. <laughs> so, so Yeah. Just doing things like that. But yeah, make that a priority, man. Like, yeah, we can sit here all day and be like, read with your, or study with your wife, pray with your wife. Yeah, we want to do those things. Do those. But but don't be like, hey, we're not going on a date tonight. We're going to dive into lamentations. <laughs> right. We're going to lament. Not a bad thing. We're going to lament together. But, yeah, no, great call. And and this is hands down the weakest part of my marriage. I don't do this enough because of the stational life we've been in, right? I mean, our kids were babies forever and then they weren't and then they were toddlers and then they were... And there's always a million other things on our calendar. And, uh, you know, it's, it is hard. It is hard to, like, just prioritize it. So we've gotten really good at, like, we shut down the house. You know, kids go to bed and all that. And then we're just, like, chilling. And it's usually lazy, like, watching TV or whatever and talking, just hanging out, doing things. And um, But we got to get better at, like, going off campus for days. I was going to say, like, sitting here thinking about you saying that, I kind of laugh because I, w- I would think my my wife and your wife's really friendship connection and us kind of talking more, I can trace back to you guys being out on a date night and just running into us. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. The boathouse. Boat house, yeah. 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 That was probably the last date we were on. Oh wow. <laughs> Maybe one or two since then, like a wedding here or there or something, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was awesome. That was awesome. That led to some fun. That, that led to a podcast. I mean, if you <laughs> did, trace yeah. it down, yeah, track yeah. it down the, the line there. Yeah. I mean, I'm real bad at this. David, do you guys do dates? No. I wish we did. But you know what we should start doing? We should start swapping who's got the children. Yeah. Yeah. And then I've you thought, guys go I've on a date. About it. And then we'll go on a date and you guys watch our kids. I've and thought about it for sure. We should probably you guys do that. are gonna get the rear end of that deal. Yeah, one of us will take advantage of it, the other one won't. The boy hey. the boys are fine when they're over there. I enjoy them. <laughs> just, gotta just give them guns and send them out back. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> They'll bring dinner. They'll bring dinner back to your house. No, it is something we need to prioritize more. But I mean, just with the military and, and work and now seminary and everything else in life. And million reasons. Just you, yeah. She works crazy hours and random days, and it is hard. It's very hard. I think it's worth it. Yeah, I think it's worth it. We got to prioritize that better. Yeah, that'd be a thing. We should start doing that. Our, our last date was we dropped off Tenley Ford Youth Group. We went and got uh, that new place in Troy, new Japanese place. Oh, oh yeah, the ramen shop. Miso. Yeah. That was our last date, and that was about a 45-minute date. But it was nice. It was you know, nice that's all it takes, man. That hey, was great. Bring your kids to youth and go on a date. That is, you know how many parents I've heard say do that? They're just like, hey, we drop them off. They'll for be there Sunday. Emery, you got it. <laughs> you got to Bring them. I'll drop them. I'll disciple them. <laughs> I'll partner with you in discipleship. I'm going to ask the, the famous question. What a is a youth? 
That's the question. Do they qualify? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah, it's important. And what you'll probably find in that is like, oh, yeah, you know what? When we started dating, there was something about you that I just could not get enough of. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see that again. It'll rekindle that, man. I think about it all the time. Like, I don't know. I'm, a, I'm kind of a sappy, emotional person, really, in real life. And when I think about how I felt when I met my wife, and just there was not enough time. There was just never enough time. Like, it wouldn't matter how much time we spent together. Like that's in there, you know, that's in that, that, that was probably every married couple at some point when you, you were guys young. were pretty young. So you were at that. Yeah. It, it, there was a lot of biology working too. Yeah. Sure. I, mean, I was 16 or 16 and Karen was like 14, yeah. a lot of change, but yeah. Yeah. You're just like, there's like this, uh, emotions are running emotions, high. hormones are running a little high too. I hate and, to admit it, but yes. Yeah. No, but yeah. So dating your wife, I think is, is, uh, everyone knows it's important. And I think it's like a universal advice for marriage counselors. They always say like, you need to go on dates with, with each other and, and call it that. Yeah. Act like it. Like, like call it that. Open the door for your, I don't know, man. I'm Karen gets angry at me today. She yelled at me at Coles. She did this like flip of the uh, finger and like, just start the car. It's cold. Let's not call it a flip of the finger. Yeah, what a flip of the finger in a good way. <laughs> snap, she was like, she was snapping and, and, uh, doing the roundup. Yeah. Like get in the car. It's cold. I can open it. She said, I can open my own stupid door, <laughs> but I'm a door opener. Like I open it, Great. I open it for my daughters. Yeah, yeah. Like to me. <laughs> so, so I, Hey, if you're, if you're sending your resume for one of my kids or one of my daughters, start opening doors now. Cause that's their expectation. That's right. If you don't open the door for them, they probably won't come back for a date too. When you started telling this story about Coles, I pictured you running in front of the motion activated doors, like, <laughs> like doing the YMCA. Trying to get it my wife. Yeah, she's coming. Oh, prepare yourself. Now I do. I open the door. That's like great. that's just what I do. That's, you know, just what I was taught growing up in, in the, uh, so for me, like, just don't just go out. Yeah. Date, call it a date. Yeah. And, and treat it as such. Woo your wife, man. There's and, nothing wrong with that. And look, we're modeling this for our children. If you have sons, they're going to be husbands. And they're going to learn how to be a husband from you. And then, and that includes your warts and all the bad stuff. Mm-hmm. And so be on guard. D and I have some rules. I should, I'll share this. We got some rules for our marriage. They're super simple. And they have kept us in a really good place for almost all of it. We do not yell mm-hmm. ever. At each other. And if we ever get to a place, and this has been for 16 years. I mean, I said this before we got married. If we ever get to a place where we feel like we're about to, or we're starting to get loud, we stop. Mm-hmm. We go, we're going to take 10. We're going to take a lap. We're going to separate, think, come back, and do this again. Because if you're yelling, it's not productive. It's just not. It never is. Yep. And if you're in a place where you're wanting to yell, your heart is not in a posture uh, that can be gracious and gentle and loving and kind and treat her like she is, in fact, a tender vessel. Um, so we don't yell. Number two, we don't name call ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I call our names all the time, uh, but not in a, in an argument or a heated way ever. You can't do it. You can't do it. Cause it's just cold. It's what children do when mm-hmm. they fight. And number three, don't bring up old stuff. Yeah. If you're in a fight, don't bring up old stuff. If you have unresolved things that are, that you need to go talk through from a sin standpoint, or you're hurting from something you're not able to, that hasn't been resolved from a, a repentance standpoint. For sure, you can bring up old stuff in that regard. But in a fight, it is not productive to say, you always do this thing. Or, but five years ago, you said this about my mother or what, you know, whatever. Like, I'm thinking of sitcoms. It's always mother-in-law strife. Never is in our house, but it's, that's just like the trope for fights and marriages. But yeah, like, don't ever, 
bring up old un, old things that have been put to bed and resolved in a fight because it's unproductive. And uh, we follow those three rules. We've given that advice to a lot of couples and it's super simple. And if you agree to stand by that and hold to it, your marriage is going to be in a much better place. And really, if you're fighting at all, you certainly there, there's tension and there are things that you have to work through and disagreements and argument, all that. But it should never look like a fight yeah. uh, like when kids do it. Yeah. You know, stomping and yelling and slamming doors and punching walls. If you're doing that, again, recalibrate, yeah. repent, do it again. Yeah, I think those are wise, um, wise things. I know for us, like it sounds, I think it's the the standard, but we do many of those things. You know, I wish we did the walk away one better. Oh, sure. That's a very hard one sometimes. Um, but the uh, well, you don't walk away forever. No, 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 no. All of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But just time out in a moment. The time out thing because I I like to debate, and I'm not even like trying to win in a discussion. It's like, well, wait, I just feel like you're not seeing it. Do you watch hockey? You used to. Yeah. Think of it more like a penalty box. Oh, you're like, box. I'm just cooling off for two minutes. Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. the great idea. I just wish that's one that I'm just admitting here weakness. Sure. I don't do that well. But yeah, the other one for us is just not going to bed mad at each other. Okay. And just refuse. Like it's now, and, and, and like, and I'm not joking. I'll, I'll just be real here. Even in the last two and a half months, one time, I've just been like, I think I might just crash. Like even in this other room tonight, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just feel like there's unresolved tension that I don't know what to do with, and just this is what it may what may just what we need. It may just be productive. Yeah, I just felt like it's going to be productive. But Karen is a trooper, man, and she's like, hey. We've always said we're never going to bed mad at each other. So get up. Yeah. And come in here or wherever we need to go, but we're going to talk about this. And I'm like, no, you're totally right, man. Like, that's, I like that. that's, so that's, that's something that. And good on you for being willing to do that. Yeah. And not letting your pride kind of take over that and drive it and be yeah, like, no, like, I'm mad. Yeah. That's just, uh, and man, I, I can hold on to things. I'm a, I'm a hillbilly, so I can, I can hold grudges, man. <laughs> well, and, and you're getting into a topic that I think. For men in particular, I, I've never been a woman. I probably won't ever be a woman. So I got to really say. It's oh, good to know. Let me just say that with authority. I'll never be a woman. So I, I don't know them. But I, I can say for men, resentment and bitterness is just this thing that can like creep in real slow. Oh, yeah. If you have unresolved things or things you're not talking about or disappointments in your marriage. And you can har harbor that and let that just burn and oh, yeah. simmer and it ruins everything. And you'll start going to bed mad and she doesn't even know you're mad. Mm -hmm. you're just bitter you're still over there thinking on that pillow doing some math yep. about the stuff that you wish it wasn't and that's a uh, dangerous place to go man it is and if we go back to like all of it's always our fault that bitterness and resentment tends to come out of things that aren't happening from that side of the relationship that you wish it was or, you know or you wish things were different you wish she treated you different or talked to you different you have to address it because that resentment is going to boil into every part of your life it's going to boil into your relationship with your children Certainly, your kids are going to be able to pick up on it. You can't hide that from them. They're going to see that tension in the room. So let's put that in the don't have unresolved things. If you're holding on for 17 years to this thing you're bitter about or resentful, you need to just have that really hard conversation. And you can say, I listened to this podcast and they were talking about it. It got me thinking. So I just want to say this to you because it might feel awkward and you don't know how to start it. I just gave you a freebie. Blame us. First Peter uh, 3, I think it's like 3, 7. Um, he says, you know, live with your wives in an understanding way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember the rest of that, but that stands out to me all the time as far as a thing to do. They're super, they're super different. Because you us. can't figure it out. Yeah. The <laughs> understanding. I said something, maybe one of my kids the other day, I think maybe I told 
maybe it was my son because him and Kelsey had been married a little over like two and a half years. And I was like, it's all good, man. It's only been, maybe this is the life group. I said this, maybe it was it life group that I said, made some joke about, uh, to somebody, I won't name a name, but we were talking about something and I was like, oh dude, 30 years with my oh, wife. Yeah. 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 Still have no idea. So you're good. Yeah. It's good. You're totally great. It's yeah, not supposed uh, to Eventually make sense. maybe you might, but not. It's not always going to make sense. We are just so different and that's okay. That's totally okay. So yeah, I, the Bible's clear. It's on us. We're the leaders. Christ is the head uh, of the church. We are the head of the house and uh, it's on us, on our shoulders. Yeah. It's a big weight. Work hard. And the only, you can't do it on your own. Right. It's a big, it's a huge weight. It goes back to so, so many of these things that we're talking about. Not that we want to lose listeners. You can be like, I can just listen to this episode. I've got it figured out. But like, it just goes back to just this day-to-day Christian walk mm. is going to affect this, this specific topic directly. Yeah. Like in an immense way. Yeah. And it'll creep up again. You'll have things that pop up. It is, a, it is work every day. Oh, every, every single day. It is. And, and do it well. And, and we say this a lot for every category of, of godly manhood, but if you're struggling in this way, grab somebody in your life who's a godly man, who you think has a good marriage. Oh, and the, I would I would add, you may get rid of this, but the thing that pops in my head is, you see how they treat your wife, and you're like, how on earth does he do that? Oh, yeah. I don't know if I could do that. How he treats grab, his own wife. Yeah, mean. grab that guy. You say, Okay, the way you said that, I thought you meant the yeah. way that he treats my wife. Oh, no. He did say it that way, but I'm with you. Yes, yes. Look for a marriage that you want to model and, and say, can I talk to you? Because I see in you this thing that you're doing really well. And I got some questions. And what's going to happen is he's going to love to come alongside you, I'm sure. We love, we love those opportunities as godly men. But also, you're probably going to hear him tell you about trouble and strife and hardship in their marriage. If it's been a marriage of any length, oh, yeah. they've been through some stuff. And, and get some counseling from the, that, that brother in your life and, and ask him, you know, well, what do you think I ought to do? And, and hopefully he'll be bold enough to be honest with you and give you some of that. Um, but that's, that's the way through nearly every aspect of godly manhood. Mm-hmm. Find an older guy or find a guy who you really respect and you feel like he's, he's ahead of you in this race and ask for help. And odds are they're going to say, you know, I didn't always do this this way. Always. And it's probably because at some point somebody either called him on it or because they decided to jump into God's word they, or hear verses, scripture like we shared tonight, there was conviction. Yeah. I said, man, I, I got to do this different because I'm not honoring God in my marriage. Yeah. And then just the only thing I would add is, I mean, there's probably guys listening to this who are who are dating or thinking of dating. They're not married. Good call. Many of these things apply. Practice them. You can't practice some of these things now, but you can practice spiritual discipline yeah don't practice the one flesh thing but i think the rest of it works yeah 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 every every other aspect and, and just your interactions with ladies in general yeah none of these things are going to you can honor your sisters in christ checking all these boxes except for you know a few yep when it comes to marriage and then the other thing i'd add to it is as guys if you're listening and you're dating hey do not do not treat the girl that you're with that you're not married to yet in a manner or, or or expectations of of marital benefits in any way. Yeah, you, she doesn't have to submit to you. You can't demand her to submit to you. Um, she's not violating God's commands by not submitting. You're not her husband, right? So be very cautious with that. But before you get married, walk through Ephesians five together. Definitely gets yeah counsel and ask her yes and and in a preferably with a pastor 
and go through that and say, okay, what does this look like practically? How do you feel about these things? Because that could be, should be a deal breaker. Oh yeah. And especially the submission thing. Yeah. There's a lot of tension with that word already. Yeah. Um, make sure you have a good understanding of what that means biblically and ask somebody. Yes. And, and understand and recognize that all of Christian life is one of submission. We're submitting to God. We're submitting to his church. We're submitting to his word. We're submitting to the people in authority in our lives in that church. Yeah. There's a million aspects of our life that require submission. And generally, your entire battle with sin is one of submitting to God, his will, his way, his command. And so... Um, is that why you guys do jujitsu? You just want to be experts at submission? All I'm really good yeah. at being submitted. Yes. I submit <laughs> yeah. a lot. Good. Okay. Well, if you have questions, I uh, want to push further on this, thegodlymanhoodpodcast at gmail.com. We'd be happy to help you out there. Because we're experts. Oh, so much. Well, you've definitely made all the mistakes you can make. I have, for sure. <laughs> you want to talk about any of that? I mean, about, in your about my mistakes. In your testimony, I feel like we really covered well, like how your wife was leading mm-hmm. spiritually and that you had to correct that. Yeah. You went through that. Oh, yeah, I did. It, it was it was tough. I would say that the thing that kind of is in my head the most is as a husband, don't ever think that you're doing it right. Once you start thinking you're doing it right, you, you start to lean on your own understanding. Oh. And, and that that really came to a head, you know, years into the marriage where I, I thought it was doing everything right, but it wasn't biblical. When, when you, when you have questions, when you, when you are wondering, am I doing this right? Go to scripture. You're, you're going to get it right. It's just going to take time. And for me, it took a lot of time to, to understand that. That's a good call. Yeah. Lean not on your own understanding. Uh, that's <laughs> again, another universal principle. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. And, and again, you have done it wrong. Mm-hmm. and now you're doing it right and imperfectly and yeah. you've seen that benefit and bless your marriage significantly we were talking about not going to bed angry i think besides my deployments my wife and i i don't think we've went to bed together without kissing each other good night but maybe three or four times in the entirety of our marriage that's like wow. the one thing mm-hmm. even if we fought that night i'm still gonna kiss you good night i still love you yeah you're still there yeah that's great yeah Putting your selfish ambition aside is what that is. Yeah. You're, you're you're putting aside your your anger in that moment or your, your dissatisfaction with whatever. You're setting aside your selfish selfish ambition uh, and prioritizing the relationship. Yeah, That's what it's all about. Okay. Anything else? No, I feel like I think we've hit it. Yeah. Our wives will let us know what we missed. Oh yeah, they, they will. Oh, yeah. and they should. Quite frankly. Um. Good. Do you guys have questions for tonight? I can always come up with questions. Oh, yeah, I got, I got one kind of floating back there. Okay, you guys probably won't like it. You didn't like the last one when it had to do with jokes, but <laughs> I came around. Yeah, start it off. Got it. All right. What's like your go-to? Like, say you're in a moment, and someone's telling a funny joke, and you're like, "I got a really funny joke." Which one are you telling? I hated this the first yeah, time. You yeah, asked. you asked this before. I asked yeah, I got one. Way. I got one. I just heard it. I think it's fun. I hope I didn't say this on an episode already. I forget how I worded this last time. I feel like I was asking a different question, but maybe not. Why did the NSA whistleblower spend the winter in Russia? <laughs> Why? Because he was snowed in. Oh, okay. That took me a second. <laughs> I wrote All it right, down. I thought sorry. it was funny. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Come up my, my best joke right now is my ability to do jujitsu correctly. <laughs> your joke? What's your? I, I got a. I got a question. Got okay. Yeah, uh, because I think it's topical. What's uh, your favorite date night with your wife, or like one that stands out that was a great date? Mm. Oh, what's this place called? Um, La, Empan- La Empanada. That sounds nice. 
So I don't know if they still do it or not. They opened a restaurant, I think, at some point. But so so it was called the Underground Restaurant. Okay. So these people, they did it. You don't find out where it's at. I don't want to give too much away. If you ever find it, just do it. It's awesome. Um, It's, uh, I want to say it's Argentinian-type food. Nice. That's like the base of it. Holy smokes, man. It's like 100 bucks a person. But you roll in wherever they tell you to come for the night. You find out a few days before, like, hey, come to this address. Okay. So it's a little creepy that way. Like it. But And you can come with people. You can organize a group. You go. You show up. It's like a seven-course meal. Amazing. And while you're having the meal, they're walking through you. Cultural things, like, why are we eating this? What are we doing? And you're just with people. Some you know, some you don't. Small group? Yeah, it's, I think, uh, the typically seven to eight couples tops. Nice. So it's a pretty intimate around the table, and you're just being served by this husband and wife. That's awesome. And they're bringing amazing food. That sounds super fun. La Empanada. I think it's called La Empanada Underground Restaurant or something like that. They they were opening a restaurant, but I think COVID hit, so I don't know how that played out. Was this like in Dayton? Yeah, it's here in Dayton. That's awesome. Awesome. Hmm. That's awesome. But that's probably my favorite just date night. And it's just not me and Karen alone. There's other people. Right, of course. But it was just fun. Like, just a great time. I can't remember the last time my wife and I went on a date alone, to be honest. Well, me so. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, not the, the highlight. Honestly, our, our favorite dates are when our kids are with us. Uh, a lot of hiking and stuff like that. We don't. I thought you were going to say military ball or something. N- no. No. This is the worst. <laughs> no, the, the thing that Kate and I like to do the most when we are alone is just go explore. Yeah, jump in the car and she she'll she could drive around for hours just looking at houses and I've land. Heard that. I've heard that. She loves it, and it is fun. That that's something we like to do together. We just don't get to do it very often. D and I, I think it was like 2018 or 2019. We went to Chicago with no kids, and we went to a UFC fight <laughs> and got a fancy hotel, and we ate greasy cheeseburgers and had like the best, the best time, and it was so great. Um, except Tony Ferguson absolutely starched Cowboy Cerrone and they had to stop the fight because he tried to blow his nose in between rounds and his eyeball swelled, like popped out. It was awesome. I thought that only happens with hamsters when you hold them <laughs> upside down. It was awesome. And uh, Valentina Shevchenko head kicked Jessica I and she was out for like four minutes. That was crazy. Um, yeah, it was super fun. That was super, super fun. That was uh, just a whole big grand gesture kind of day it was super fun and uh it was a surprise i didn't tell her about it i bought the tickets and did the thing and her folks watched the boys and they were on the way to chicago so it was perfect it was super great that was hands down the best date night we've ever had nice yeah you got a question there david i do right now what book are you reading in the bible just right now ezra ezra okay yeah how's that going yeah that's a lot, right? Yeah. You got to read Nehemiah next because they're kind yeah, of... Yeah, I'll probably go in, in that order. They're, they're, they're partnered. Yep. So I'm reading Ezra right now. Okay. okay. Good. Yeah. It's real good. Uh, I'm all over the place. Yeah. I think it's kind of the nature of the school mm-hmm. that we're... Yeah. We're, we're going to spend a lot of time in uh, Joshua next week. I have spent a lot of time in Joshua. Yeah, you're a, you're always ahead. Oh, you're man. the early bird. Yeah, it, no it takes me longer. Teacher spent. I just preached in uh, Romans, Acts... And uh, da, 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 something else, boy, that's so great how my brain works. That was like five days ago, and it could have been six months ago. And I spent a lot of time in that text, Second Corinthians. That was the other one, and uh, just talking about church membership, what it means to be a member of the body. 
and uh, and giving and some of these things. And so, um, but that was super great working through that. I loved it. The boys, let's see what we're doing. Family worship. There's always, I always have like 10 answers to this question. That's hard. Yeah. Cause you're like, different. well, wh which thing are you referring to? Like which kind of reading the Bible? Um, family worship. We we're going through acts as a family because Connor's doing it in school every week. They do a chapter and this is actually like the most redeeming thing he's ever done at this Christian school. How far into that are they? Uh, Peter just got out of jail from the angel of the Lord. So yeah. like, what's that? Uh, Acts 11, maybe 12. Got a really cool book by Kevin DeYoung on Acts. It's geared towards walking through. We have it. Okay. Good. We evening. have that That's book. Awesome. Yeah. Super good book. So every week at school, they, they do a chapter and then he has to like write about it. Mm -hmm. So there's like fill in the blanks for these questions, um, sentences like, you know, but what was going on in this part? And it was awesome. So it kind of stirred us uh, on that. He's like, I want to read Acts again tonight. So, um, we did Luke as a family for church, church wide or for church wide for the Advent season. We read through Luke as a family, um, doing chapters of that every night. That was super great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm always all over and I'm, and some, again, some of that is just the nature of school. Like it's just got you everywhere all the yeah. time. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I gotta, I can redeem myself with. Question. <laughs> David, did you have a, did you answer that question? Uh, well, yeah, Joshua too for, for school, but I'm in second Samuel for funsies. Good. For funsies. Yeah. That's yeah. hands down. My favorite OT is first and second good. Samuel. That's really good. Awesome narrative. Yeah. All right. What's your question, Emery? If there were no rules. You could have any animal in the world as a pet. Penguin. <laughs> what would you have? Penguin. Really? Oh, absolutely. I adore penguins. It does sound really fun. They are the cutest little things ever. They slide on their bellies. They will travel the world for their mate. They're cute. They're only three colors. I read a thing earlier. That they make pearls? No, those are oysters. And you can tell me if this is true or not. Let me find out. I sent it to my daughter, Carter. It's a meme. It's, it's got the, I'm assuming this is Chinese. I don't Probably know. Not if it, it's, it's Japanese, it's I'm sure. Penguin. It's got a house and a goose, and it says, or it looks like a house. I don't know what the kanji is here. But it's, I guess it literally translates to business goose. Nice. So the, <laughs> For the, penguin. In that like, language. In that language. Penguin is, because he's wearing a goose. suit. That's awesome. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. That's business amazing. Um, I would have said, four years ago, I would have said German short hair pointer. <laughs> now you have to. Now I have two of them, and I would say negative one German short hair pointer. Uh, any animal. Wow, that's pretty fun. I, you know, I don't know if you've ever watched much on the Kazakh eagle hunters. Oh yeah, but probably a really cool hunting eagle. Be sweet. Yeah. There's a place in Columbus called the Ohio School of Falconry. That if it we're getting in the nerd weeds, hour and change away, I would go do that. <laughs> I think that's amazing to watch. Super cool. Super cool. So, my really out there answer would be like a panda. Okay, I've noticed these videos lately. Pandas are hilarious. It's a high bamboo bill. It's it's no wonder to me that they're almost extinct because they're not super smart, from what I can tell. No, and they don't no. do anything. But no. they have a lot of fun. They just eat. Yeah. I watched one slide around in snow today for a few minutes, over and over, and it was amazing. Okay, but if I had to pick, what if if I'm angry and down in the dumps, I look up videos of rico the porcupine from cincinnati zoo i think he's in cincinnati zoo okay his name's rico some kind of little porcupine with i forget the name of it. it's not like your normal porcupine we would think of he's tiny and has this like really crazy looking nose and he eats oh. corn and hey, i want to pull him up is it a skinwalker <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh rico hold on 
But he he's amazing. And like if I had to pick just a pet to have to hang out with Rico the Porcupine. Rico the Porcupine. Rico the you can look him up on Facebook. That'd be my mob name. Rico the Rico. Oh wow. He looks like a pig. He's, I just watch him eat corn and carrots yeah. and sweet potatoes. You this, need more to do, huh? This is what makes me happy. When I'm like I'm not I'm not even you can ask Karen. She'll attest to this. If I'm really just need to do something stupid because I just am done. Yeah. I watch Rico. Okay. He's yeah. like he's my happy place. I got you. So yeah. The the what are they called? Capybaras. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, like giant guinea pigs. Yeah, those are really really delicious. Too. I like those. I bet they are good. I saw a video of one getting a haircut, like in a barber's chair with a like the little thing over them, and it was it was awesome. I read somewhere that guinea pigs travel in packs in the wild. No idea. I've never seen I one in the wild. I didn't think about it, but yeah, they're. I guess they're wild in South American places. Sure. Hmm. That'd be amazing. A roaming, like a roaming pack, like a gang of guinea pigs. Yeah, we're going on a Whistling. hunting. We're going on a hunting trip. What's the game? Guinea pigs. Guinea pigs. On the guinea gang. Guinea gang. That'd be pretty sweet. I would. I would love to see. It. So if you have, if you can find video or evidence of how guineas. In the wild. In the wild. Guinea pigs in the wild. Perfect. Send it our way. V That would be amazing. And we need links. I think on that we should just be done. I think we should have been done 10 minutes ago. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Fantastic. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.